Brother Nathan said it when he said about this church, this body, being a loving, serving, sacrificing church. And I could not agree more. And I, actually, I, as I was thinking about the message today, I thought this is, this is a perfect congregation to preach this message to. Uh, and I thank you for that. I, I thank God for that. I thank God for you. Um, and I just want to encourage you in this, encourage you in your ministry here that, yes, Jesus really does have blood invested in you. And uh, what you're doing matters. It matters to the kingdom. Uh, it matters uh, for eternity. Uh, and so I just want to, to praise God for you, to thank you for all of your sacrifices, your love, your heart for the Lord, your heart for people. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't just um, give honor to God uh, for the opportunity for me personally to be able to worship Three worship services with Brother Bobby Poe um, I, is a man that I dearly, dearly love and esteem. Um, he uh, he's one of my heroes. I know he's a, I know you're a sinner, Brother Bobby, but you won't be uh, here after a while when the Lord calls you home. But you're a, a, a great man of God, and I look up to Brother Bobby. And I, it has been an honor to be able to worship the Lord in in the same worship service as him. One thing Brother Bobby told me when I first started in the ministry before I was ordained. Uh, I think I shared this with Sister Donna yesterday. Uh, he said, when you read your Bible, when you study the Word, don't just study to just get up a sermon. He said, study to feed your soul. Your soul needs to be fed. And I've always taken that with me, Brother Bobby, and I appreciate that. Turn in your Bibles again to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, Paul says... In 1 Corinthians 13, says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest is charity. Of course, you remember the theme of the meeting has been to stir you up, to stir me up, stir us up. Um, Peter would write again, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And then he would end the, the letter in chapter 3, verse 18, by just encouraging them. Remember, one or two years left to live. And his heart's desire, his heart's desire is for others Think about that from a pastoral heart. His heart's desire, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let me read the first seven, actually the first eight verses of 2 Peter chapter 1 once again. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, 
giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, please bless the reading of your word. Bless your message to go out uh, all for your glory. Um, Lord, again, I, I pray. I don't want this to be a vain repetition, but I try to pray every time. Lord, may you increase and me decrease. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice verse 8 first off. Again, Peter's desire is to see you, see the saints to whom he's writing to, and ultimately you and I today, to see you be fruitful, to see you abound. He says, for if these things be in you, the things that we just read, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter wants us to know Jesus Christ in a relational sense. Right, Brother Nathan? This is a relational thing here. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you want your life to count? Do you want your life to count? This is where it's at, brother and sister in Christ. Young person, as you're just getting started on this journey called life, this is where it's at. The world will say love is something else. Jesus says this is where love is found. This is where true love is found right here. This is a life that is fruitful, that is not barren, that it is not like that chaff which the wind drives away. It's not like the, uh, what's the little plant that you blow Dandelion. Thank you, Brother Paul. Yes, it's not like that dandelion that the wind gets and it just goes all over the place. No, it is that tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. This is where it's at, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, this precious gift that believers in Christ have been given called faith, this beautiful house, remember we talked about yesterday, this beautiful house that we've been given as a free gift. A free gift that blood was invested in, that blood must be shed for. That a, a, it had to be a pure gift. It couldn't be tainted. It had to be a pure sacrifice. But this free gift that's been given, this house, it must be furnished. And so, yes, it must be furnished with all the things we talked about yesterday. With, with um, virtue, with godly courage. And that courage um, leading to temperance, leading to discipline, leading to self-control, leading to endurance, patience, testing, even when it hurts. And then leading to godliness, having, yes, a big view of God, and then living in a way that honors Him, that's reverent towards Him. But then ultimately, to brotherly kindness and charity. You know, this has a special, thinking about Providence Church, um, this, and just the way that you love, the way that you show love to, to others around you, it is such a blessing. But this, this right here, this brotherly kindness and charity, has a special meaning to, to myself and my family because I feel like we have been on the receiving end of this so much. 
we have been, even in our marriage, almost 10 years, uh, we have been on the receiving end of brotherly kindness and charity in action, which is really what love is, right? It's a sacrifice. It's action. Um, I remember, uh, let's see, we were pregnant maybe eight weeks, I forget how much, with, with Ada, and I was work. I was coaching at the at the school that I that I played at in college. I was coaching there, and I remember in March of that year, it may have been the end of February. We were we were at our national tournament in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, and uh, the head coach, I'm an assistant coach. The head coach gets a call. He calls me into the hotel lobby at about midnight and says the school is shut down. Uh, all non-faculty, you're done immediately. As soon as we leave, as soon as we go back home, no severance, no nothing. Um, that was a, obviously a trying, a trying time. I was, I was a little afraid. Um, but I will never forget my brothers and sisters in Christ at Grace Chapel uh, just taking us under our wing, whether it was helping me with a resume, uh, the, the brothers in the church helping me do my resume, whether it was Kroger gift cards. I mean, just practical godliness, practical brotherly kindness and charity. It will, it has, that has been an Ebenezer stone in our life and in our marriage. And so this, this is very personal to me, and I want to be on the giving end of that myself. Um, the brotherly kindness and charity is how this uh, godliness, it's how all of these, these fruits, it's how it is, it is played out in real time. It's by showing, it's by doing, it's by giving. You know, there's the, uh, the old football coach for the Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi. I believe he, he was the winner of the first two Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they were having a game against a team that they were, they were much better than, a, a clearly an inferior team. They had no business even being on the field with them uh, by the third quarter. It should be a blowout. Well, they go up there and they do lay an egg, Brother Andy, and they lose the game. And the, uh, the players are getting ready for Coach Lombardi to just let them have it, to chew them out. So at the end of the game in the locker room, this is what Coach Lombardi does. He holds up a football. He says, gentlemen, this is a football. The object of the game is to go to the other team's goal line and get past it and to keep them from getting past your goal line. What was the point he's making? It's time to get back to the fundamentals. It's time to get back to the basics. And when I think of the basics of the Christian life, what is it? What is the first and greatest commandment and the second like unto it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. That is back to the fundamentals love God, and then that outflow of loving God will be loving others, that sacrifice. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says when he's actually contrasting, he's contrasting the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, uh, let's see, I'll start in verse 19. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. These are the way they are displayed, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And by the way, 
when he says they which do these things, that is they which practice these things. Listen, I have no, my bag of rocks is empty. I have no stones to cast at anybody because I know I'm a sinner. But what he's saying here, if you continue in this lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, but, but, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm a child of God? Well, here's, here's, here's the outflow of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Is it going to be perfect? Of course not. What did I say yesterday? We know ourselves. We know it's not going to be perfect. This is an ongoing process of sanctification. Before I read verse 22, I've got to share this. is funny. This, this uh, brother shared a meme, and he said, this is what sanctification looks like. And it was a guy walking up an escalator backwards. He's trying to get up the escalator, and he keeps falling back, then goes back up and goes back down. It's like taking one step forward and two steps back sometimes in this life of sanctification. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are, this is getting back to the basics. And when Peter talks about brotherly kindness here, he is talking about something that, um, that it's that Philadelphia love. It is that, that brotherly love, that brotherly kinship. It, is a, it, it obviously involves affection and all that, but it, it has this, 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 um, this display of, of a brother-to-brother brother love, a sister-to-sister sister love, this kinship that we sang about uh, and how sweet, how heavenly. And as with all of love... <laughs> Any, any charity uh, and brotherly kindness, this involves sacrifice. This involves dying to self. Because the fact of the matter, brothers and sisters in Christ, is even in the most loving of churches, in, a, in, a, in the context of a faithful local church, here's the truth. You are a house full, and I are a house full of sinners. And we're going to offend each other. And we may say something the wrong way. Somebody may say something the wrong way to us. We may look at somebody wrong or they look at us wrong. And if we're not careful, before you know it, oh, Satan would love to drive a wedge between us. We have a, a special anniversary today. Satan hates that. God loves that. A faithful marriage. But what do we have to do, Brother Paul? We have to work at it. What is it? I quoted in Hebrews 11 yesterday, God is a, re a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. We can't just sit on the sidelines because if we're not careful, what did I say again? Our default is sin. Satan would love to drive a wedge between every godly marriage, every godly local church. He would love to do that. He would love to get infighting among the ministers of the gospel and, 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 and for, the, for the ministers to do a bunch of grandstanding and, and all of that, he would love for the, the deacons to get to fighting. And, and everybody just, he loves chaos. He's the author of confusion. And so Satan wants to drive a wedge between this church. And so brotherly kindness, brothers and sisters, involves sacrifice. It involves dying to self. This... Uh, I love one, one uh, definition of brotherly love. They, it, it, it is called, it is a mutual sacrifice that sometimes involves sanctified compromise. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, do we compromise on the essentials? Of, I mean, of course not. They're non-negotiables. But when it comes down to certain things, we all hear the stories and laugh about it, but it's really sad when 
brothers and sisters can get to fighting over what color to, to paint the, the church building or what carpet it, the, the church should have. Um, that is sad. That's, that's, not, that's not okay. Um, the fact of the matter is the church is a body. Paul would talk about this in Ephesians 4. The church works together as a body. Each body, each joint is fitly compacted together. And the fact of the matter is be encouraged. Be encouraged. This isn't some, some self-help statement right here. You matter. You matter. Each one of you, from the youngest church member here to the oldest, you matter. And when there's a problem with one part of the body, the, the whole body hurts. It broke my heart. I was with, got to visit with Brother Dwight last night, but I didn't even know that he was walking out the door and then and they just couldn't do it because he was in so much pain. But think about that. I, think about when you have pain in your body physically, you may, um, uh, I was thinking about poor Brother Michael Hopper at camp. He had, man, he was in so much pain. He had cut himself and, and his, it was his whole body. He could hardly function there for a little while. It's the same with the church, brothers and sisters. When one part of the body is not doing well, the whole body suffers. It takes mutual sacrifice and sanctified compromise. It involves, brothers and sisters, walking together in unity. Walking together in unity. Um, Paul in Ephesians 4 he would say in well let me read actually let's skip to verse 29 let's skip to verse 29 he says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let me just stop here. Let's ask ourselves, is my speech or my actions toward my brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is obviously in the context of a church, but this is in the context of a family, of a marriage, of a relationship. Are my actions, are my words building up or are they tearing down? Are my words ministering grace to those who would hear or not. Oh, that I would choose my words wisely. Oh, that that would come to my mind every time right before I speak. Are my words building up or tearing down? Then he would say, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here's our standard. But you don't know what Brother Andy did to me. It hurts. It really hurts. And I'm not saying there are obviously situations that have to be worked, worked through and really hurtful things that are done. I can't forgive him. Oh, but what's my standard? What's our standard? And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I don't really have a leg to stand on there, do I? As far as being unforgiving. 
and not being willing to compromise where compromise can happen for the good of the church and for the good of, of my brother or sister in Christ. And then he would go on to say in chapter 5, verse 1, Be ye therefore, because of what, what God has done through Christ, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for, for an given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Brothers and sisters, we've been forgiven so much. We've been forgiven so much. As I said yesterday, I fear that that and you may this may be true of you as well, but I just don't sin doesn't bother me as it ought to sometimes. I don't take sin as seriously as I should at times. And when I, when I can just get a glimpse of how one sin, I'm guilty of the whole law when I offend at one point, but one sin offends my God who sent his only son on the cross who was beaten within an inch of his life. Sister Buttons, the cat of nine tails that they used to whip him it would, it would tear... Fl- Listen, they were... The, 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 the scourge, they were professionals in, in torture. They knew how to beat you just enough to keep you alive just so you can suffer longer. And this is just the physical agony. When I say just, the physical agony, I don't want to... I don't, I'm not trying to diminish that. But it doesn't even really compare to the mental anguish that Jesus had to have felt of the weight... We talked about bearing that weight of the weight of all the sins of all of the elect on the shoulders of Jesus, and then the wrath of the Father, the holy, just wrath of the Father, to where Jesus at one point couldn't even call him Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh, brothers and sisters, may sin bother me and may I love Jesus relationally to where yes I can forgive you yes I can forgive you yes we need to talk some things out and work some things out but when we are we talked about it yesterday talking about marriage yesterday some of us at the at the uh, at the supper table talking about when when a husband and wife let's it's not it's not a matter of if you have an argument right sister Gigi it's when you have an argument Go ahead and just know when we're going to disagree, we already know this under the framework of we're on the same team. We're together no matter what. So we better good and well figure this out. Because we're on the same team no matter what. We have made this commitment to God and to these witnesses and to each other. We're going to work this out by God's grace. So it's not a matter of if, but when we argue, when we disagree, we're going to figure out a way to work this out. And when I say figure out a way, we know the way to work this out. We have God's Word. We have God's Spirit in us. Romans 12, and I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to a lot of different verses today, but these are, these are too important to pass up. You don't have to turn to all these if you don't want to, but you can. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Paul would say, Let love be without dissimulation. That's an old, old word for without hypocrisy. No, no, no hypocrisy in our love. It's easy to say I love you. 
And we say we we use that word all the time and, and just yeah, over and over and just we cheapen that word, honestly. And we anyway, I'm not gonna get into all the love is love. I'll let Brother Andy cover that in his next message. Anyway, we, we cheapen this precious word love. But God says through his servant, let love be without hypocrisy, without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Remember how we are um, partakers of his divine nature? I mean, we take on the nature of Christ. Not that we don't become gods, but we take on the nature of, God, of, of, of Christ in the sense of we begin to love what he loves and hate what he hates. So let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. With that, that love of, of mutual sacrifice and sanctified compromise in honor, preferring one another. Ouch. Ouch. Because you know who I want to prefer? Brother Kevin, I want to prefer this guy right here. Because I love me some me. Isn't that what Terrell Owen said? In my nature, I love me some me. In my nature. But what does God say? In honor, preferring one another. You know what that means? That means it, it has the idea of leading the way for others. Being a Barnabas, in a sense. Leading the way for others. Showing deference to my brother or sister in Christ. Being willing, truly, for Christ to increase and me to decrease. I'm reminded of, of, the, uh, of all the people. I can't even think of, think of too many of them right now. But all, the, the, the people in, in Scripture... Um, who, who don't, we don't even know their names, yet God has used them. We don't even know their names. Brother Jeff was pointing out to me last night about how after a certain point, you don't even hear, it may have been after the, the deal with John Mark, you don't even hear Barnabas' name mentioned in Scripture anymore. Yet, what a man of God. What a, a man who could show us what brotherly kindness and charity is all about. In honor preferring one another, leading the way for others. Let that be said of Providence Church. May you be a, a church and may, may we be Christians that lead the way for others, that prefer one another, that show deference to one another. You remember what I said about how Satan is such, he is the author of confusion and he loves to drive wedges, he loves to uh, cause division and, and sow strife, cause discord. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there is, there is some, uh, there's some hard times, some difficulties going on in the church at Corinth, to say the least. And it, go, it gets to the, to the point where there's people in the church that are suing each other. They're suing each other. Taking each other to court. And this is what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, dare any of you having a matter against another, and one brother, a, a commentator says, Paul could have, could have very well said, how dare you? But he says, dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, uh, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If ye then have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are at least esteemed in the church. I speak this to your shame. 
Shame on you is what Paul is saying here. How dare you? Is it so that that there is is it yeah is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. What a what a witness or a lack thereof, you know? You know, when I think of of Christians today, not all Christians, but but um, I think of sometimes the the cesspool of social media. I've been off Twitter since the end of May, and praise God, it's it's done a lot for me spiritually. I'm serious. But it, what one thing that that really has been a, a discouragement to me is to see the way that Christians go after each other oftentimes on social media. It's easy. I can, I can get big and tough behind a keyboard or behind a phone. And I just have to think, what witness are we sharing to an unbelieving world when we are just going at it with each other? Again, there are, there are things that need to be discussed and disagreed on, and, and maybe there's, there's only so far we could walk together as brothers and sisters in Christ but we have to be able to do it in a way that we show that we're believers in Jesus Christ and show an unbelieving world how Christians how are to all how to ought to act. Let that not be said of you and I. Because again, this this involves diligence. This involves constant sacrifice. Because, because if we get lax, if we get apathetic, if the fire starts to die down and we're not getting stirred up. Oh, Satan can he can he knows he is smart. He knows how to drive wedges. Galatians, Paul would say in Galatians six. One thing that's been a, a blessing at Grace Chapel is in our business meetings. Uh, we've since I've been born, Sister Linda, you would know probably how long we've been doing it. We have a uh, a Galatians six ten list on our uh, items for discussion. And Galatians 6.10 reads, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And it's just a, the, the, a way we can, if there's anybody in need that we need to help. But, but I, this, this word especially here, you know, we, we need, obviously we need to do good to all men. We need to show love to everybody, believer or non-believer. But there's a special and a special sense that we need to care and love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the household of faith. Let us show it. Let us love each other. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. I'm not saying we should ever sweep sin under the rug, but if there is a way that we can protect the reputation of our brothers and sisters in Christ who may be struggling but are repenting, oh, let's do it. Let's do it. If we need to keep our mouths shut at times, let's do it. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know, there are approximately, I believe the number is 59, but there are over 50 one another commands in Scripture. And I always, I always think, about, think about this. These are commands. These are not options. But love one another. Comfort one another. Forgive one another. Prefer one another. We could go on and on and on. 
It involves dying to self to show the brotherly kindness, the love that Christ shows. And I just want to close here. I want to close. I'm not going to quite close here, actually. I'm almost done. I still have a lot of water left, so hey, y'all, no. <laughs> no. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. You know, I, I said this earlier, but one way that we, we know, that we can be confident that we, are one, that we belong to the Lord, that we are a child of God, is if we love each other, if we show that love for each other. So I just want to read, I may just pick and choose some, some uh, scriptures in First John chapter 4. But he writes in verse 7 of chapter 4, he writes, Beloved, I love that word actually, beloved. My love, the ones that I love, is the, the, the writer. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested or shown, made apparent, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the, the satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Talk about how sometimes the meanings of words change over the years. That word ought, you know, we use it. Well, I really ought to go down there and see those good people at Providence, but it, I probably won't, but I really should. You know, I, I really ought to do that. No, no, no. The word ought means it is your necessary duty. It is your necessary duty. So let me read it again. Beloved, if God so loved us, it is our necessary duty to love one another. He would say in verse, verse 19... He would say, we love him because he first loved us. Praise God. Praise God for the, the eternal, everlasting love of the Father. You were loved with an everlasting love. By my loving kindness have I drawn thee. Then he would say in verse 20, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. That's a surefire way, a good, good way to know, am I saved? How am I loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? How am I sacrificing for my brothers and sisters in Christ? Now, I, just, I do want to close this way. By looking to the example of the one who is love, who taught us how to love. You know, I said Jesus taught us how to suffer. He's taught us how to love. He's taught us how to be a servant that we sang about today. 
You know, Romans 5 says, God commendeth his love, or he displays his love, he shows his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But I just want, to, want you to think about the reason Jesus came to earth. I said it maybe Friday night. It was his meat to do the will of his Father. That was his, that was his whole purpose, was to do the will of his Father. And you know what that was? It was to not be served, but to serve. Uh, uh, Matthew, forget Matthew twenty twenty eight, and he and even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many, to pay the ransom price. You know, all too often, I want to be served. I want to be served. It's my nature. I want to be served. Because it takes too much effort and thinking about others to serve. But oh, do I want to, as I'm being conformed to the image of Christ, what does Jesus do? He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And let me just encourage you in this way from our Savior. In John chapter 13. Just hear the word of God. John chapter 13 verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Let me just pause here and just say that that was one of the lowest, um, you were the lowest on the totem pole if you had the job of being the one in, in, in a house of, of washing your visitors' feet. Just think about it. They didn't have Nikes back then, and they didn't have cars back then. So you're in sandals or barefoot, and you may be riding some, some animal, a camel or something, but you're most likely walking. Your feet are nasty. I mean, just very practically, they're nasty. They're blistered up. Got all type of no telling what inside your toenails. This is real. So it was one of the lowest jobs that you had as a servant of somebody's house to wash your visitors' feet or, or the, the people who lived there. This is the idea of that service, complete selfless, dying to self. 
After that, he poureth into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I, do thou, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. I love Peter. He's going one way or the other. He's all in. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash it all. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to wash his feet, needeth, needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, talking about Judas, therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after that he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done, for, done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, it is your necessary duty, remember, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Brothers and sisters, if the Lord of glory the one who is the fairest among 10,000, the lily of the valley, could get down on his hands and knees and wash his disciples' feet, even the one that he knew was going to betray him, even the one that denied him three times, he got down and washed their feet. And I love that we do that in our Lord's Supper services, but it is, it is, uh, it's a great thing to actually do, but the idea behind it, the purpose behind it, is that so I will, Sister Vicki, practically look for ways to wash your feet in any way that, that I can serve you. Because I'm not just doing it for, for just, just doing it. I'm following the example of the Lord of glory who said, Satan desires you, Peter, to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God,